You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. For the sake of time, I am not going to spend a whole lot of time in review this morning uh, going over the things that we covered last week. So I encourage you, if you missed anything last week, go back and, and listen to the, the service. Um, also, the notes for, yes, for last week and today are already on the website, so you can follow that along as well as your handout. And uh, what we're doing is we're uh, continuing our series called Back to the Basics. And the Lord just kind of laid this on my heart during the summer months uh, to go back and cover some basic truths, some things from the Word of God, uh, because it's very, very important that we keep ourselves refreshed on these things. Matter of fact, let's look at our foundation scripture, and it says this. This is Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says this, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive. Say that. Say engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. And I know none of us want to drift off course, so what we need to do is we need to periodically go back and refresh ourselves so that we remain engaged and attentive to the truths that God's Word says to us. And I love the fact that this particular verse says this, attentive and engaged to the truths that we have heard. Now, I want to say this to you. God's not going to hold you responsible for that which you have not heard. But once you hear, you're responsible for that which you have heard. That's why it's kind of dangerous to come to a church like this where we try and do our very best to preach the Word of God and and teach you the Word of God line upon line and precept upon precept because once you hear the truths from God's Word, you're held accountable for it. What that means is you're not going to be able to stand before God or anybody else and say, well, I didn't know, okay? You're not going to be able to do that. So we got to stay refreshed on these truths. So what we did is we started out talking about some basic principles of faith. Again, I'm not going to review uh, what we talked about last week, but let's just jump into some new material. And I want to start out, and here's the first thing that I want us to talk about, and that is this, how does faith come? How do we get faith? Well, write this down, please, and that is this. We do not pray for more faith. You, you don't need to ask God to give you more faith, and we'll explain why. We'll get into it as we progress. Now, I do want to go to a scripture that you probably can quote better than I can, and that's found in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, this particular verse, and because of the fact that it says hearing twice, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Actually, in the Greek language, it, it, it implies hearing on a continual basis, hearing all the time. And so I want to take some time this morning and I want to dissect this scripture just a little bit because I want us to uh, really understand what the Spirit of God is telling us through the Apostle Paul. You know, back in all oh, the early charismatic days, I guess, I, I would imagine probably about the time cassette tapes came out. And I'm old enough to remember when cassettes came out. I know y'all aren't, but y'all pray for me. I'm older than you are. Um, you know, but when cassette tapes came out, uh, there was a belief that, um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with this, don't misunderstand me, but there was a belief that you could put your favorite teacher or, or, or another big thing was the Bible on tape where you could, you know, somebody read the scriptures and you could put it on at night and play it and as you were sleeping, the word would get down in your heart. Well, that's not the case at all, okay? Now, it's great to go to sleep to the word, it's great to wake up to the word, nothing wrong with that. But what you need to understand is it, that when Paul said this, he was not just saying hearing with these 
things on the side of your head. How many of you know that your spirit has eyes and ears as well? So really the implication here is not necessarily hearing with your ears, but hearing with the ears of your heart. That's why Jesus periodically said, you might remember when he said, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, every person, I'm assuming, standing there in front of them had these things on the side of their heads. So he wasn't talking about hearing with these natural ears. He was talking about hearing with the ears of your heart. And so I began to dive into this verse, and, and I noticed something as I studied this verse, and that is this. Let me give you a little background in the Greek language. In the New Testament, there are two primary words that are translated, quote, the word of God. There's the Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S, and there's the Greek word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And they both have a little bit different application. Although they both mean and translate the word of God, they both have, a, again, a little different purpose in them. And so I found a commentary that just said it very well uh, by a man by the name of Bill Hammond, and uh, I really liked what his commentary said, so I'm just going to share that with you so you can understand that, the difference between the two. And it says this, the Logos is the general word of God that communicates his ability to do something or his general will on a matter. Okay, so I've, I've heard it translated that Logos can mean the intent behind what was written. However, Rhema is the word the Holy Spirit quickens to a specific person for a specific situation. Now, here's what you need to understand. You start out with the Logos, but th through the power of the Holy Spirit, you end up with Rhema. Okay, so you start out with Logos and you end up with Rhema. What that means is the Logos is when we sit down and we decide, you know, like for instance, I sit down and I'm doing a through the a Bible in a year program. And so, you know, through the Bible app and so forth. So I'm reading through the scriptures. And there are days when I read the scripture, okay, and, and I'm reading the Logos. But then there will be days scattered in there where the Holy Spirit will cause one verse or a phrase or something to jump out at me, and that, that phrase, that scripture becomes alive and it becomes revealed to my heart. It becomes revelation to me, and it's often in regard to a specific situation. Now, what that means is, is like if you're dealing with uh, you know, a situation to where you have a need or a family issue, whatever the case might be, a lot of times as you're reading the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring light and revelation in respect to whatever that situation is. Uh, it could be too where uh, maybe this has happened to you where <clears throat> Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. And, and, and of course, we're not hearing the, the, the Lord Jesus speak audibly in person we have a written account or we have the written word of God. And so you, you might be just, you know, in prayer or whatever the case is, and all of a sudden a scripture rise up in your heart and it pertains to a situation that you might be dealing with. What the Holy Spirit did is he took a logos that you read at some point, which is in your heart, but he caused it to become revelation to you and so it became the revealed word of God. Now, the reason that I'm saying this to you is, let me go back to that verse, when it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the phrase, the word of God there is not logos, it's rhema. And so the point is this, faith does not arise in your heart simply by reading the word Faith arises in your heart as the Holy Spirit causes that word to become revelation to you. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So, so you know, going back to the, the, the illustration that I used from, you know, many, many years ago, 
Although the intention was good, listening to the, the Bible on tape while you're going to sleep, although that's good, but it's the, the scriptures that you hear that the Holy Spirit brings light and revelation to you that produces faith in your heart. So that's very, very important for us to understand. So therefore, we do not need to pray for more faith. What we ought to be praying is like what Paul uh, told us to pray or laid out for us in Ephesians chapter 1, and that is this. Lord, uh, may our eyes be enlightened with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, you and I need the Holy Spirit to cause the written word, the Logos, to become revelation to us so that faith can be a product from that. All right, are, are you tracking with me? Okay, so get this down. Let me go to that particular slide. All right, write this down, please. Faith arises in our hearts as God's word becomes revelation to us as it is revealed to our spirits by the word of God. Now, I love the word of God and I love the fact that I can read through the scriptures many, many, many times and all of a sudden something new can jump out at you from something that you have read, you know, a bunch of times. And, and you know, Jesus made this comment. He said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. And we need to approach the word of God that way and believe for the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to us. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not implying that you don't spend time reading the Logos and then discarding it if you don't get a rhema. What I want you to understand is, is that you have to have the Logos before the rhema comes, okay? Now, uh, here's another thing, going back again to my illustration about going to sleep, listening to the Bible. Again, that's wonderful, but here's how you need to understand this works. The Word of God still has to pass through the gate of your mind to get to your heart, okay? So, uh, if your mind is disconnected, okay, you're not hearing, you're not listening to what the Lord is saying through his word. So, again, while you're in la-la land dreaming sweet dreams, your mind is disconnected and not hearing that. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so I, I don't want you to get the impression that the word of God just bypasses your hearing and jumps straight down to your, your heart it goes through your ear gate into your mind, and then as the Holy Spirit, Spirit brings revelation, it gets down into your heart. Now, here's why I'm spending so much time on this, okay? Now, faith, write this down, please. Faith is in your heart and not your head. Faith is in your heart and not your head. Faith is of the heart, okay? Again, let me say it again. Faith is in your heart, not in your head. All right, it's very, very important. Now, as I was preparing this and praying over my notes, uh, actually Saturday, uh, the Lord said something to me, and I want to back up a slide and just tell you what the Lord said so that we can understand the, the point. Okay, get this. Many people have divine information in their heads and think they are in faith instead of divine revelation in their hearts, which produces faith. Now, I want to say that again. Many Christians have divine information, inspired divine information in their heads, and they think they are in faith. But really what we need is divine revelation in our hearts because that's what produces faith. See, you can get inspired by divine information in your head, but that doesn't produce faith, all right? Now, again, we talked a little bit last week about how this process works where, you know, and I made reference to Abraham convinced himself that God was able to perform the word, and all of this process is called, get, or, or is really relevant to bringing the word from here, getting it down to here. Faith is in your heart, not in your head. You and I can know what the scripture says in our minds, but it's not until we get it in our hearts 
that faith is produced. I want us to clearly understand that. Now, let me prove this to you. Again, faith is in your heart, not in your head. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Version. And it says this, that if you confess, and of course, this is Paul speaking about getting born again. You can't get any more basic than hearing the word about the necessity of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and then allowing that to get into your heart and then following through so you can be born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your what? Believe where? Notice he didn't say, if you'll confess it and believe it in your head or your mind. He said, you have to believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I want to pause right here and I want to say this. I guarantee you, if you took a clipboard and went over to a mall or anywhere that there was a large gathering of people and you did a survey and you, you asked a couple of questions, one of them was this, do you believe that Jesus Christ lived and walked the earth? Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Okay, do you believe he died on the cross? Yeah, I believe that. Do you believe he was raised from the dead? Yeah, I believe that, okay? Have you ever been saved? No. So what, where's the disconnect? They say they believe in Jesus. They say they believe that he, was, uh, that he died on the cross. They say that he was raised from the dead because they probably celebrated Easter when they were a kid. But are they born again? They don't know. Why? Because they believe those things here and not here. Do you see the disconnect? Okay. And there's a lot of, but, 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 but here's the thing. They will tell you they're a Christian. Okay. I grew up in church. Well, growing up in church doesn't make you a Christian. You know, I went to church. You know, they, they'll tell you things. Well, I went to church all my life. That doesn't make you a Christian. It is hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, saying the gospel that causes you to be saved. Now, again, Paul said this, if, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, it's not enough to know these things in your head. You have to know them in your heart. Now, everybody in here that's born again, raise your hand, please, okay? Now, I did this you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, what if I tried my best to tell you you're not saved? You'd argue with me, wouldn't you? Would you defend your position? And why, what gives you the grounds to defend your position? Well, I know that I'm born again. How do you know you're born again? Because the Bible tells me I'm born again. Have you ever been to heaven? No, I've never been to heaven. Have you ever seen Jesus? No, I've never seen Jesus. Well, how do you know? Because I don't just believe it here. I believe it here and you can't talk me out of it. In other words, I'm fully convinced. Okay? Now, are, are you tracking with me? All right. I, 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 am I helping anybody? Let's finish this verse. Verse 10. Look at, look at what he says. For with the, the heart, a person believes, and in this case and in this context, believes the gospel resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. Now, we're going to talk more about this in later lessons, but notice the process. He says that you first believe with your heart and then you confess with your mouth and you get results. Okay, now these faith principles work for anything in receiving for God, from God. Okay, can I get an amen, a sneeze, a cough or something? All right, let, you, let me know that you're still here. All right. So again, what I'm wanting to emphasize to us is that it, you cannot have the word just here and declare that you're in faith because you're not. You have to have the word in your heart before faith is present. So again, 
I, I, I want to bring some light and revelation uh, in this because there's, there are a lot of us, you know, and I would even venture to say maybe myself, where there are things that I know in my head from the Bible, but I don't yet strongly believe them in my heart. Because I'm a work in progress just like y'all are. Anybody in here that's arrived, please pray for me, okay? But what I mean is this. You know, there are areas where God is constantly um, bringing just a little bit of additional light. You know, I'll, I'll be praying on, uh, over some things and the Lord will, you know, pose a question to me about something or, or you know, and, and, and it's what he's trying to do is to bring some revelation into my spirit because there's a faith disconnect there. And God is, tr listen, God's trying to get uh, things to you. He's not trying to extract from you. And so what he does by the Holy Spirit is he works with us to help us adjust where there's areas where we need faith to be produced so that things will move from here and get down here. Are you, are you following me? Okay, all right. I just, just I want to bring that clarification so that we clearly understand that there are going to be times when um, we ourselves or somebody else might say, yes, I believe God for whatever for is, okay? And, and, and listen, you and I have no idea what somebody believes in their heart. Only God knows that. First, First Samuel tells us that. God is the only one that can see into somebody's heart. You and I have to kind of take things at face value. But here's the truth of the matter is that, that if we only believe something in our heads and we, we might think correctly in that respect, but it hasn't gotten down into our hearts, we cannot receive the results of whatever God's word says. Are you listening? Okay. All right. Now I want to spend the balance of our time talking about how you can develop strong faith. In other words, we're going to talk about some things over the next few minutes on how you can get things from here down to here. Okay. All right. So let's, let's do this. Let's jump in. Here's number one. You and I need to realize your faith potential. I need to realize my faith potential. You need to understand your faith potential. Now, potential being the key word here, all right? What does that mean? Well, let me show you a scripture. Romans chapter 12 in verse 3 says this, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly or clearly, Look at this last phrase, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, every man that he's referring to here are believers. He's writing to believers. So, in other words, when you got born again, God gave you in your spirit, your born again, recreated spirit, the faith raw material to start with. Matter of fact, it's the same faith he has. It's the faith of God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I can automatically, instantly start functioning as God functions and doing what God wants me to do and so forth? No. Your faith has to grow and be fed and exercised. But here's the point that I want you to see. Notice that in this verse, he does not say, now some translations say this and it's incorrect translation, but notice this verse says from the King James that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Some translations say a measure of faith. But here's the problem with a measure of faith. What that implies is that God dealt to Brenda a specific measure he dealt to Eva a specific measure, but me, I got less of a measure than they did. Or I didn't get as much faith as Kathy got. No, God doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, I can prove to you, we don't have time today, but I can prove to you the reason God did it 
the way that he did giving to every believer the measure of faith is to make it equal and fair. Okay? Because here's the thing. If, if, if I could find out that God gave Brenda more faith than he gave me, then I could stand in the face of God and say, you know what? You're not just. You're not fair. I could not receive everything that you had for me because I did not get as much faith as she got. And God's never going to have anybody stand in his face and point the finger at him and say he was unjust. Okay, he's just in all his ways, the scripture says. So what does that mean? That means this, God placed us all, all believers on the same playing field. Okay, it doesn't matter what your denominational background is. It doesn't matter where you came from. If you are born again, you uh, start out on the same playing field as everybody else. Okay, all right, now... That means then we all have the same faith potential. In other words, uh, how far we go in this is totally up to you and me, not up to God. So, you know, Jesus made a statement one time. He told somebody that was endeavoring to believe God uh, for something from him to receive from the Lord Jesus. And he told them, he said, be it unto you according to your faith. In other words, if you want greater things from God, then do what it takes to develop your belief, your faith, so that you can receive those things. Amen? All right. So we all have unlimited faith capacity. That's exciting to me. That means there is no limit to what I can believe God for. There is absolutely nothing that is off the table. If God says it's in his will and I can have it, then bring it on. Okay? All right, now here's number two. Receive Jesus as the developer of your faith. <clears throat> Receive Jesus as the developer of your faith. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher, the King James, New King James says, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. What's interesting about this word uh, finisher in the Greek language, it actually means one who develops. Can I say it to you this way? Jesus is your faith trainer. Uh, now, I can tell, I know, you know, I, uh, I, I work out at the gym all the time. I know you can see it. That's not funny. No, I'm just teasing. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, how often are you going to the gym? And I said, well, at least twice a week. I come here and set up on Saturday, and I'm here for church on Sunday. It's a gym. I mean, you know, anyway. All right. So, but what, it, what this implies, and here's the picture that the Greek gives us is that Jesus is our faith trainer. In other words, you know, if you are really into fitness, you might, uh, you know, if you have the, the money and can do it, you might go hire a trainer who builds a program, listen to this, specifically designed for you and your structure and will show you what you need to do so that you can develop yourself physically and, 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 you know, muscular and, and all that type of thing, all right? So, so Jesus is our faith trainer. And if you will let him, he will do what it takes in order to help you develop your faith. Jesus wants you to be a faith fitness guru, okay? Now, again, it's up to you how much you use the trainer, and listen, the trainer can't help you if you don't give them permission. Jesus can't help you develop your faith unless you say, Lord, I give you permission to work with me through your word to help my faith become as strong as it possibly can be. All right, so Jesus wants to be your faith trainer. You have to give him permission and expect him to develop your faith. Here's number three. 
Give the word first place and make it final authority. Give the word first place and make it final authority. What does that mean? Well, it's got to be a high priority in your life for one thing on one side of the coin. Okay, the word of God has to mean something to you. It's got to be important to you. And I know that's each and every one of you. But here's the other thing. Uh, The flip side to that is that the word is your first resort, not your last resort. I know somebody that, uh, you know, (laughs) they would jokingly say this. It was a minister, but they would jokingly say this to kind of get your attention. You know, if somebody, uh, you know, there was a need brought up in a group of people and, uh, you know, somebody would say, well, let's just pray about that. And this minister would jokingly say, well, has it come to that? Okay, meaning have we tried everything else before prayer? Okay, and and the same thing is true with the Word of God. The Word has to be the first thing you go to, not what the Internet is telling you, not what the world is telling you. The Word, the Word of God has to be the first thing that you go to. And, uh, you know, let it be the the final say-so in the matter. Let me show you some scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20, 21 and 22 says this, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Now, I love this phrase, incline your ear to my sayings. One thing you need to understand about the Lord is he never screams at you. Okay, a lot of times he's going to talk to you in a very still, low tone, okay? And if your world is kind of noisy, here's what this verse means. You might have to lean in to hear what he's having to say to you. Incline your ear. Lean in. What does a recliner do? A recliner lets you lean back, okay? Well, incline is where you lean in to hear what he's trying to say. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. That sounds pretty much like all the time. Okay, keep for they are life to those who find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Okay, so we've got to make the word of God a priority. Now, I want to give you a couple of hints, okay? Here's hint number one, and this isn't in your notes, but it's, it's true nonetheless, We must build our busy schedule around the word instead of trying to fit the word into our busy schedules, okay? And I know it's difficult sometimes. We've all got stuff going on, okay? But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Build your schedule around the word, not the other way around. Don't try and fit the word into your busy schedule because I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to find yourself and you won't have time for the word because you let everything else crowded out, okay? Here's the next helpful hint. Aren't these wonderful helpful hints? All right. We don't need to make the word fit our lifestyle. We adjust our lifestyle to fit the word. Now, see, that's what you have in culture today is that you have a lot of people who claim to be Christians who want to change the word of God to fit their lifestyle, their culture, their beliefs when God doesn't do that. God changes for nobody, You understand that, okay? So what do I mean by that? There are things, churches, okay, where full denominations are approving things that the Bible clearly says are sin, but they're watering it down and saying, no, it's really okay. God really wasn't that serious about that, okay? No, you don't do that. You make adjustments to fit him. He doesn't make adjustments to fit you, okay? So the word, you're going to have to adjust your lifestyle. So if God taps you on the shoulder one day by the Holy Spirit and he says, hey, I need you to uh, do away with this in your life, okay? Um, You have a choice. Either you're going to adjust your life to fit what he's telling you or you're going to ignore it and just be in disobedience, okay? I can tell that's thrilling each and every one of you. So, but don't make the word fit, um, or we don't make the word fit our lifestyle. We adjust our lifestyle to fit the word. Here's number four. We need to continually feed upon the word. 
eat the word. Eat the word. Okay? Uh, Jesus told us this, or actually he was responding to, to the devil when he said this, but he answered in Matthew 4, 4, and said, it is written, man shall not live by food alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What would happen? I'm just, just spitballing here. What would happen if in our lifestyles we made three dedicated times a day that we spent time in the Word the same way we schedule our lives to get three meals a day? Hallelujah. Okay. Everybody grab hands and sing Kumbaya with me. All right. Okay. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You've heard me say this a million times, but I want to say it again. If you, this is from John Osteen, if you will put the word in your heart when you don't need it, it will be there when you do need it. Okay? Here's number five, and these two go hand in hand, and that is this. Meditate on the word. Spend time thinking about the word. That's what meditation means. It doesn't mean you sit with your legs crossed and, and saying bubblegum, okay? No, it means you, you take the word of God and you spend time thinking about it. Take the word while you're in the car on your way to work or whatever the case might be and just think about a verse. Here's how you do it. You take a verse that means something for your life, a promise from God's word, and you imagine your life being lived out as though that promise is true in your life. So in other words, what would my life look like if I, God did this? That's how you meditate. Daydream with the word of God. Imagine your life. That's meditation. You know Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from, out, from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it, think about it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Is there anybody in the room that would like to have a little bit of that prosperous and good success stuff? Okay, well then spend time meditating in the word. I love the fact that this verse does not say, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in there in it. For then God will make your way prosperous and then God will make you have good success. What does it say? If you do the word, if you meditate on the word, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. In other words, there's something about the word of God when you spend time meditating in it, your life just becomes conformed to it and some of those things will start happening and you'll realize, oh wow, when did that happen? Okay, you did it because you allowed the word to work in your life. I love this, this verse in the scripture, Isaiah 26, verse three, from the New Living says this, you will, you God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You need to fix your mind on the word of God. You need to fix your mind on the Lord, okay? The word you meditate on will become the reality you desire. All right. Number six, act on the word. Act on the word. Act on the word. James 2.26 says this in the Good News Translation. So then as the body without the spirit is dead, also faith without actions is dead. J.B. Phillips' translation says faith without corresponding actions is dead. In other words, when you declare that you have faith, let your actions support your faith, okay? Now, don't be foolish. I'm not implying that at all. But what I am saying is that, that when you have faith in God's word, act like God's word is so. Let me show you a couple of verses to give you an example. The, the Psalm says in Psalm 107, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who has redeemed, or whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Does it say anywhere in that verse, let the redeemed of the Lord say so when he feels like it? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so when everything is going great. No. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, period. So every time you need, you, you, you think about it, you need to say, 
I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Okay, here's another one. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, Joel 3.10 says, and it says, let the weak say what? I'm really tired. I am so worn out. Y'all pray for me. Pray my strength in the Lord, you know, because I just really need, no, Joel said, let the weak say, I am strong. Now, what if you're not strong? Well, God says you are strong. Paul said this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Again, does it say anywhere in there, when you feel strong, say it, but when you don't, you don't have to say it. No, you act like the word is true. So write this down, act as though the word is absolutely true. Act like it, okay? Act like it, all right? Here's number seven. Spend time praying in other tongues. If you have received a baptism in the Holy Spirit and you pray in other tongues, this is a wonderful tool to help you build your faith. If you have not received and you would like to receive, come see this young lady right here in the flowered dress. She'll help you, and by the time you leave to go home today, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't have time to teach on it, but it is necessary for the believer. Jesus said so in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, all right? Spend time praying in other tongues. Jude 1.20 says this in the Amplified Bible, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase that the Amplified uses, rise like a, can I say it to you, rise like a building, Higher and higher. You know, I love to, uh, occasionally when I go downtown, I love to see when they're building new uh, skyscrapers downtown because you can pass by it one week and it'll be this tall and you can go by it the, the next week and it'll be this tall and you can go by it the next week and it's this tall. It's rising higher and higher. And what we need to understand is that when we spend time praying in the Spirit, because, listen to me, because the very act of praying in other tongues is an act of faith. What do I mean by that? Well, you're believing God to give you the utterance. So it's like you take a step in faith and you get that utterance. You take another step in faith and you get that utterance. And so when you do that for an hour or a half hour, however long you have, then you have done uh, 15 minutes or whatever the length of time is of just step by step by step of uh, acts of faith. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says this, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The word edify there means in the Greek language, of course, they didn't know about electricity in the Greek, but uh, it implies charging like a battery. Okay, so charge yourself up, all right? Then here's the last one, number eight. Continually give God praise. Continually give God praise. Now, I said this before, but I want to say it again. You cannot praise and worship God outside of faith. Meaning, it, now you can, you can moan and groan to God and not be in faith. But you can't truly worship and praise God and not be in faith, okay? Look at, listen, let me show you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 34, verse one. I will bless the Lord at some times. I'll bless the Lord when I feel like it. I'll bless the Lord when stuff is going great. I'll bless the Lord when, you know, all my bills are paid. At all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now listen, can I say this to you? I haven't arrived at this either. I'm working on this just like you are. But I am learning, okay, that when opposition arises, when things happen, when things that go contrary to, uh, you know, the way that I wish that they would or desire for them to or, you know, whatever the case might be, I'm learning. I don't praise God for that. I praise God in that. Okay, let, let the praise of the Lord continually be in my mouth. So if you want to enlarge your faith, 
cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Okay, praise and thanksgiving are mighty affirmations of faith. Now, this, this one right here is very, very important because let me tell you why, okay? This praising God and being thankful to God are what you do between the amen and when the answer shows up. And I'm talking about manifests, okay? That is what's gonna get you through between the amen and the answer showing up. Now, as we've been talking on Wednesday nights, you need to understand something. When you pray, God hears you. Well, let me qualify that. When you pray, according to the word of God, God hears your prayer, and he answers your prayer the moment you pray it. Okay? Somebody says, well, how come it might take time for that to, to show up in my life? Well, there's, there's a bunch of factors. But you need to understand that in the spirit, God answered your prayer the moment you prayed it. Now, whatever might be going on behind the scenes, that praise and worship piece is what helps the thing to flow and get to you. I don't mean to be so vague, and, and, and I hope you understand what I'm saying, okay? Because I just don't have time to get into it this morning, but... but you need to understand there, there might be some spiritual opposition that's trying to keep your answer from getting to you, okay? Uh, the worship part, the praise part is what helps navigate through that opposition, okay? All right, let me, let me wrap this up. Psalm 67 verses five through seven say this, Let it, and I want you to pay close attention to the details here. Let the people... Praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, here's the situation. We like verses 6 and 7, but we don't understand that you have to do verse 5 before you get six and seven, because the first word in verse six is then. And what that implies, what that tells us is, then is attached to what is in verse five. So when all the people praise God, then God moves. The power of God shows up. I can show it to you all through the scripture. That when people have prayed and believed God, it's when they praised that the power of God came into manifestation. All right? I, I love something Brother Jerry Savelle said years ago, and I've never forgotten it. And it says this, the depth of your praise will determine your victory. The depth of your praise will, well, actually he said this, the depth of your praise will determine the level of your victory. So the deeper you go in praise and worship, the greater the victory. And again, I can show it to you from the scripture. I just don't have time this morning. But we're going we're gonna to continue to unwrap this. And, and again, I know these are things that, that you've heard, things that you have been taught before. Some of these things I have recently taught on Wednesday night, and God has led me to talk about it on Sunday morning. Again, those of you who are regularly on Wednesday night, uh, you, you just in remedial class, all right? You get to hear it again, okay? But I believe in God. I want you to have strong faith, and I want you to understand that your faith potential is unlimited. If the Word says that you can have it, then you can have it. If Jesus bought and paid for it, you can have it. But it's up to us to believe it, and receive it. Now, we're going to talk next week about the receiving part. How do I receive? How do I release my faith and begin to, to receive from God what God has in store for me? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the word that we've heard. 
Father, I thank you that the word is alive and is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, Father, that it's pierced each and every one of our hearts. I thank you, Father, that it's been sown on good ground, the people of this wonderful church. And Lord, I thank you that the seed of your word will grow up and will produce in each and every one of them. Father, I thank you that as we've been teaching these things, faith is rising in their hearts. I declare, Father, revelation is flowing to them. I believe light, Father, by the Holy Spirit is being revealed and brought into their hearts, Father, so that they truly can receive everything from you that you have in store for them. Father, I thank you that you love us enough that you teach us these things, that you bring it to us. And Father, we thank you for it. We love you, Lord. And we praise you for your goodness. We praise you because your word is true. And that, Father, we can truly walk in everything that you have in store for us. And we believe you for it. And we thank you for it. Father, I thank you right now for meeting every need that's present in this place right now. I thank you for healing every physical body that's in need of healing. I command pain to leave. I command discomfort to leave. I command, Father, for the strength and health of God to flow into these physical bodies. And I declare, Father, that they are healed from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for peace. I speak peace to every soul, every mind, every will, everyone's emotions, Father. In Jesus' name, I release the peace of God to flow into them right now. And I thank you for it. And I believe you for it. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're working on their behalf. I believe, Father, and declare in the name of Jesus that you are going before them. That the scripture says that you're making their crooked places straight. You're causing the low places to be exalted, the high places to be made valleys. And Father, I thank you that your favor is manifesting itself in a great way in their lives. And Father, we believe you for it. We thank you for it. I declare it to be so in each and every one of their lives. And Father, we thank you for it. We love you, Jesus. And we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' precious name. And if you receive it, just say, Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.